The Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show is meant for an adult audience. An adult audience. The Trevor J. Brown Show may contain explicit language and topics. Explicit language and topics. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Be a part of the show and email us at inherentdream at yahoo.com. And now, your host, you guessed it, Trevor J. Brown. It's the show, it's my show, it's the Trevor J. Brown Show. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Friday evening. Join us in the conversation. You can find us at facebook.com backslash the Trevor J. Brown Show. Also available at facebook.com backslash Inherent Dream. Our website is inherentdream.com and our email is inherent dream at yahoo.com. I listened back to the program last week. I must have been so uh, dazed and confused with uh, with uh, all the guests last week and all the all the uh, different things going on. I had my mind on the big game. I opened the show last week and was like, "You can, uh, you know, the, the same jargon and everything." And our website, InherentDream.com. And our website, InherentDream at Yahoo.com. What an idiot! See, I'm talking a bit here about how, as a nation, we are becoming a nation with social media where we can never admit where we're wrong or where we sound stupid. And tonight, I did it within the first minute of the show. Now, does that deserve a pat on the back or not? No, but at least at least we're talking about it. Thanks for tuning in. It's our Friday evening show. We are on Spotify, the Spotify app, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We have our Saturday bonus content tomorrow. We're building our playlist of, in our opinion, the thousand greatest, the thousand our most favorite songs of all time. You can follow along with the playlist. Just search for the 1,000 songs by the Trevor J. Brown Show. Tomorrow, we are adding tunes to the playlist that uh, are from such a wide variety of genres. That's what I love doing. So far on this playlist, we have music from The Beatles. We have Tracy Chapman. We have Dolly Parton. We have Dr. Dre and Eminem. We have music from John Williams, we have Mark Cohn, we have Bruce Springsteen, Marvin Gaye. Tomorrow, we're adding tunes from Jeannie C. Riley. The newest entry on the list in terms of year for music, Nora Jones. And we have music from Bob Marley and The Wailers. It's on the Spotify app only, and that's available tomorrow. I do want to remind people we are off next week. We do put, uh, at the beginning of each month... A thing on our Facebook page. Most Fridays we are with you, but sometimes we take a Friday off here or there. Next Friday there will be no program, no bonus content, but we will be back in March. And we are excited to announce that in March we have uh, Isaac Jensen coming into the studio again. And also we should be joined for their first appearance on the new show here, Capital Sons. One of our favorite bands from the Twin Cities. They will be joining. They joined us a ton of other times. 
on the old podcast, Another Round. But they're finally coming back. They're working on new music. They have a brand new video out right now. You can check that out. These guys, they all have normal day jobs. And they work so hard uh, at their craft. And uh, it's it's so great great to see. They're a great rock and roll band from Minneapolis. So uh, we will be joined from them most likely that first Friday here in the uh, in the month of March. So we got uh, Free For All Friday. That's coming up. Mark Stone in a little bit. We'll also get to the Moron Spotlight as well. But I want to open the show tonight and admit when I'm mistaken on something or when I am wrong on something. Because most people, most blowhards, most uh, people that do podcasts love the sound of their own voice so much. Well, I do too, but here's the thing with me, and this is what I say all the time. I used to, a long time ago, put political opinion and other opinion on my Facebook page, and then all the glue sniffers would 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 attack you. You, you could have like the most obvious thing. You could say, if it was an 80 degree, sunny, blue sky day, you could say 80 degree, Sunny blue sky day. What a beautiful day. And on with social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, you're going to get some glue sniffer that comes out and wants to try to argue with you. Well, it ain't worth it. So I, I stopped giving my opinion on Facebook there. And instead, I just give it on the podcast. And the main reason why I give it on the podcast is for one, you can shut it off. You don't have to listen to it. But two... I don't have to argue with the glue sniffers. If you don't like it, fine. Don't listen. It's as simple as that. But I, I at least like to, to think that I have some level of integrity where when I'm wrong or when I say something that is partially true but I don't necessarily get it right, I'm going to try to give you the facts. And one of the things that I mentioned last week, we talked about Quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl, a Heisman, and an NCAA National Championship. The list that I had, I, I got part of part of it correct. Because if Joe Burrow would have won the Super Bowl on Sunday over the Rams, which he didn't, so this didn't happen. But if it did, he would have been a part of this list. He would have been part of the, the Joe list. So we knew Joe, Joe Namath. He was named the college football player uh, national championship. He, he won it as a quarterback of Alabama uh, in 1964. And he won the 1968. Uh, he was the, hold on. Which NFL quarterbacks have won a college football national championship and a Super Bowl championship? So Joe Namath did it in 64 as a member of Alabama. And he also uh, won the Super Bowl with his guarantee. He guaranteed it. As a member of the New York Jets, that was like the last time the Jets were ever good. They did that in 1968. So I thought the other one was Joe Theismann. And Joe Theismann, his Notre Dame squad, beat the number one Texas team. But that wasn't for for the championship. Uh, it was actually Joe Montana. So he won the national championship as a QB of Notre Dame in 1977. And won four Super Bowls. Not one, not two, not three, but four. 
with the 49ers in 82, 85, 89, and 90. So that list of NFL quarterbacks that have won the college football national championship and the Super Bowl, it's two guys, two Joes, Namath and Montana. I think Burrow could eventually be on that list. I think we're going to see Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl again. I'm not saying next year, but I think we will see him at some point. The other thing that I wanted to to clear up, because me and Stone talked about this too, which NFL players have won the College Football National Championship, the Heisman Trophy, and a Super Bowl championship? There's only three players here. None are quarterbacks. Tony Dorsett, Marcus Allen, and Charles Woodson. Just three players in the history have won those awards. Running back Tony Dorsett, Marcus Allen, and uh, Charles Woodson. Burrow had the opportunity to make history and become the first quarterback to win a national championship, a Heisman Trophy, and a Super Bowl championship. But Burrow is still young. There's still opportunity for him. There's still plenty of time. And like I say, the way that Joe Burrow handles himself, that swagger, I absolutely love it. I don't don't find it as him being cocky. I love the swagger. And when you have the numbers and you can back it up, that's that's awesome. I absolutely love it. Plenty of show uh, to come. We got a free-for-all Friday. It's Mark Stone's last appearance for a while. We'll recap the Super Bowl and recap the whole NFL season as well. That's a little bit later on in the program this evening. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show from Inherent Dream Production Company. The problem with this digital social age that we're in is, have you ever noticed that the people, in my opinion, that are the most vocal on Facebook are the people that don't seem to have their lives together at all? They're the ones that want to give everybody else advice. They want to tell you how to live your life. They want to tell you what to do, what to say, how you should feel. But the inner workings of their life are so chaotic and they're such a mess. The people in the, the, the people online right now that are the most vocal are these people that are so anti-vax. And they keep sharing stuff all the time. And, and, and I, I kind of laugh about it. I, I have a, a, a cousin that constantly puts stuff online about, well, if, if, if celebrities don't have to wear masks and these people don't have to wear masks, why do our children have to wear masks? And I so want to respond, but I don't, I don't care that much because I don't feel like getting into some argument on social media because you're never going to change somebody's mind. But my response back to, to, to them would be, are, are kids still wearing masks in school? Is this even a thing? Most of these these uh, mask mandates have been lifted now. And for the most part, you either have the choice to wear the mask or you don't have to wear the mask. A lot of these school districts haven't even been doing it this year. So is this even still a thing? Or is it something just for you to bitch about and waste your time on and post something on social media? But that's the thing that I've noticed this past week, especially. I think I finally have figured out, especially Facebook, the people that are going to give you give you the advice, the people that are going to bitch the loudest, 
are the people that don't have their shit together. If I see one more thing from some acquaintance that I worked with a few years ago, I've seen this so many times where it's my baby girl is, is not feeling well. This is like the fourth time she's had the flu this, this year. It's not COVID, but do any of my mom friends out there know what to do? Take her to the doctor. It's not a difficult decision. All of it's, your little instincts. You're not a medical professional, okay? I get that you had sex. You had a child. Congratulations. You're probably a great mom. But when did we become so ignorant of a society where we can't admit to ask for help? When did we become so stupid as a society when we can't admit when we're wrong or when we're mistaken on something? Does it does that make us feel that small that we we can't admit to that? That taking your child to the doctor, there's one of two it's one of two ways I feel. There's never just common sense anymore. It's my my young child has been sick. And I don't know what to do. And does any, do any of the moms out there have some advice? Or you have the parents that take their child to the doctor for everything. Isn't it sad? I go to the doctor once or twice a year. And I go to refill my medications. That's what I do. And I have to book my appointment three, four, five weeks in advance because... The doctor has no availability, has no appointments. Now, I get some of that. There may be like high school physicals going on to play sports and all of that. But who is is constantly calling and taking their child to the doctor because they have a cold? I, I don't I don't understand it. Your little instincts are, can only take you so far. You're not a medical professional. You may have read some article online. And look, by the way, you probably didn't even fully read the article online. You glimpsed at it. You glimpsed through it. But you read it, and and somehow now you think that you're some medical professional, and you don't need to go to the doctor. One of the best things, two great things, that I've seen online as memes in the last week. This one. It's amazing how many parents went from, I don't understand my kid's sixth grade math homework to, I'm an infectious disease expert in just six months. Ain't that the truth? That is, that is so true. Another one. Some of you never had, some of you never had to write a paper backed by credible sources and peer reviewed research. And it absolutely shows. Yes, exactly. We're letting these glue sniffers have the final say. And I I want to believe, I have faith that not everybody in this country is that damn dumb. But how did we get to this point? I, I find it has to just be pure ignorance. Where we can never admit we're wrong. We never want to admit that we need help. 
And we now as a society never want to admit that we might not be the smartest person in the room. Okay, a couple things. I never think that I'm the smartest person in the room. The only thing where I would put my knowledge up against not anybody, but all right, there's a few things that I'm pretty smart on. I like, I like music. If we're talking like music theory, no, I don't know technical things, but if we're talking about like the Beatles, like let's dive into the Beatles as a band and talk about songs and specifics and things like that. Sure. I can talk about that. I'm not a history expert at all, but I know a little bit about World War II. I could talk a little bit about that, but I would never come in and say, I'm an expert on World War II. I could teach this class. Uh, no, you can't. Uh, uh, no, no. Uh. I would never come in and say, well, I'm, I'm an expert on the Beatles. Uh, I should be teaching this class. We, we, we've created a society of monsters where we think, well, you know what? I know a little bit. I read this blog article from Juicy Ass 42. Uh, it's like, where, where are you reading this information from? Some douchebag online wrote some thoughts down about the vaccine or his political preferences or something he heard or something he made up and now we're counting that as true? I mean, give me, give me a break. And then, then you have the problem with, with, with these people that have, have no credible source at all. They make something up and then it just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And a, and a prime example of that, Michelle Tafoya, love Michelle. She worked her 327th and final NFL game as a sideline reporter last Sunday for the Super Bowl. The day after the Super Bowl, the Athletics' Richard uh, Deitch published an interview with Tafoya in which the now former NBC sports broadcaster shared what she plans to do next. She's retired. She's done with sideline reporting. But Tafoya told The Athletic, she will be the co-chair of a political campaign for businessman and Army veteran Kendall Qualls, who announced in January he is running as a Republican candidate for governor here in Minnesota. Though it is unclear in what capacity Tafoya will serve, she will also appear at CPAC later this month. She added that her long-term goal is to be a part of a daily or weekly program where she discusses politics and other topics beyond sports. Well, she can come on here if she wants. We'd love Michelle Tafoya on the program. That would be great. But the reason why I bring up Michelle Tafoya is because when she went on The View, she gave her opinions, and a lot of the things that Michelle Tafoya said were true. If Colin Kaepernick were good enough to bring a team to a Super Bowl, he would be on a roster. Well, he's not, and people found that to be controversial. And she said something else where Colin Kaepernick's made a lot of money not playing football. Well, that's true too. You make money when you sign deals with Nike and you make deals when you have a Netflix show and you make money when you have a Netflix show and all of this. Like, look, he didn't get to play in the NFL, but he's become an activist. That's what he is. But people people didn't like that, right? Well, that was that was the rumor that was out there that people didn't like it. And then Michelle was mysteriously off the air 
off the sidelines for like three weeks around Thanksgiving. And people sort of thought that coincided with her appearance on The View, like NBC punished her. Well, Michelle came out and spoke with Julie Nelson of CARE 11 and said that wasn't the case at all. I took I took some time off. I wasn't suspended. It had nothing to do with it. But then these douchebags on the way right think that when, when somebody says an opinion that the people on the way left wet their pants about, oh, <laughs> and now, now she was suspended. No, that wasn't even true. But that was the narrative that was created, which is garbage. She wasn't suspended. She wasn't talked down to. I'm sure to even go on The View, because she was under contract with NBC, I'm sure she had to get that approved. I don't know how that works. But she wasn't suspended. She took time off. You're, Al Michaels missed some games. You, they, they have some vacation time. They, they can take a couple weeks off here or there during the season. It's how, it's how they do it at NBC. I don't know their compensation package. I don't know their vacation schedules or all of that. But why did that rumor become part of, part of like the mainstream? Like, well, this is true. It wasn't. It, it, there was no, nothing in that at all. But people think that because you come out and share an opinion and then all of a sudden they disappear for a few weeks. Well, that has to be it. People on the left didn't like it. Why Why do these people on the right automatically assume that all of these networks and head honchos that are in major positions at networks are some loony, loony liberals? Do you think that, that that's all that runs networks? I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's some loony liberals, but I'm sure there's plenty of conservatives that run networks too. They're making millions of dollars a year as presidents of programming and CEOs and CFOs and all of these people. I mean, come on. I don't think all of them uh, are politically left. You shouldn't assume that either. Here's the other thing, why I bring up Michelle. One, we'd love to have her on the program. But the other thing too, and this has nothing to do with uh, with you know, her, her political opinions at all, uh, whether or not NBC made that decision or not. I mean, Michelle, Michelle retired, uh, her, I believe her contract was up and she was choosing herself to not come back. But for somebody that had worked for the network and been on the sidelines there for what, 15 years, the last 15, 16 years, Michelle Tafoya worked there and she didn't even get a final goodbye. They basically, she blew a kiss to the camera and Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth said, boy, she was great to work with. Well, we'll miss her. Somebody that worked somewhere for that long and was part of NBC's most successful program. Most successful program, which means it brought in the most money. Sunday Night Football and the Sunday Night Football Countdown, the pregame show leading into Sunday Night Football for years have been the two most uh, watched shows not just on NBC, but on network television. She made NBC billions of dollars. And so did Al Michaels. Now, Al Michaels' situation is a little bit different. Al is a free agent as well. He could be back at NBC next year. We don't know. But the rumors are that Amazon's going to throw a ton of money his way to broadcast Thursday night football games because Amazon has the exclusive now for Thursday night football. Or ESPN could want Al Michaels to come home to ESPN 
and want to go there. There is a chance he could go back to NBC too if they offer him a, co a contract, but sort of the the uh, narrative has been that Mike Tirico will be taking that over, and that's one of the reasons why they brought him in. My point is this. NBC should have just cut the crap and said, look, Al, you know what? We're not having you back. You can go to Amazon, do whatever you want. You're obviously a free agent. Go to ESPN, retire. We don't care, but we're not having you back. Again, another guy that had been with Sunday Night Football, what, since the beginning of it in 2006? And you don't give him a minute on the airwaves? Now, maybe he didn't want it. Maybe they offered it to him and he said no. I don't know. But a guy that has been part of your most successful program doesn't get a minute to say goodbye or thank you or to say thank you, Michelle, uh, and talk to her on the air. The whole point is this. Whether you work for NBC or some douchebag in an office in Minneapolis or in central Minnesota or wherever you may be tonight, you are just a number. You are just a cog in their system. And that's all you are. No matter what, if you make millions of dollars a year, like uh, Al Michaels or Michelle Tafoy, I don't know what her contract was. Maybe it wasn't millions, but it was it was a lot of money. Or if you make 30 grand a year, they're going to find somebody else to fill your shoes and to sit in your chair and all of that. I've had people walk me out the door before after giving uh, a company 10 years working uh, they don't give a rat's ass about you. Why as a society are we so so fascinated with sucking up to these employers and people that are in charge when they don't even treat us that well? Yeah, you can have respect for people all day long, but when you put in a two-week notice and then it's not honored, well, well then what's the point of even, even giving a two-week notice? See, you expect something from me, but then when you expect something from your employer then they treat you like absolute shit. That's why people have left the workforce. That's why people aren't working for for $8.25 or $9 an hour anymore because they've had a realization that they don't need to or they're going to find something better or they're going to go back to school or a husband and wife with their two children. Hey, you know what? I have a really good job. If you want to work, you can. Whether or not it's the wife that goes out and works and has the big-time job. Maybe the wife is a lawyer or a doctor and the husband works at the local dollar store. Well, the wife says, you know what, honey? It, it doesn't pay for you to go work at the dollar store when you're making 9 bucks an hour because we're just taking that 9 bucks an hour and we are spending it on child care. And we're doing that four or five days a week. And you know what? Instead of that, why don't we just live off of my salary? And uh, you watch the kids or vice versa. Maybe the husband's a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a janitor or whatever, but makes good money. And the wife working at, uh, you know, waitressing, honey, you don't have to do that anymore. And you know what? People are realizing uh, that makes sense. Why spend 500 plus dollars a week? Or maybe it's not that much. I don't know. Childcare from, from what I've been told is very expensive. So why do it? But people, people want to, to, to think that, well, people, the young generation, they don't like to work. No, the young generation is not putting up with the bullshit that you put up with for years. These are the same assholes that constantly say, well, it's the tr you know, everyone needs a trophy. Everyone gets a trophy. huh? Well, you're the ones that gave them to us. 
okay? And we didn't want to hurt your feelings, so we kept them. We didn't throw them away, okay? But we didn't need a trophy for everything. You get a trophy when you win something. I don't need a trophy for my fifth, sixth grade basketball tournament where we came in fifth place, okay? I didn't need that. But you gave it to me. That wasn't my idea, okay? Plenty more to come. We have uh, the Moron Spotlight. Double dip coming up. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show from Inherent Dream Production Company. The Trevor J. Brown Show is brought to you by In Good Hands Massage. Be sure to treat yourself to a massage and visit In Good Hands Massage in Malacca. In Good Hands specializes in all types of massage, including deep tissue, relaxation, hot stone, sports massage, and more. Book your appointment today or get your gift cards at facebook.com slash massage by Lindsay. Let's get to the Moron Spotlight here this evening. We'll have a double dip for you with the Moron Spotlight before we get Mark Stone on for his final free-for-all Friday appearance, at least for the football season. I hope to have Stone on uh, back when we have NBA playoffs to talk about and hopefully baseball as well. Hopefully we'll have a baseball season. A South Dakota man was arrested after his mother unwittingly served his marijuana brownies at a a senior center, authorities said. The man, Michael James Caronda, 46, was arrested earlier in January, a day after the Bonhomme County Sheriff's Office began investigating reports of a possible poisoning at the community center, a deputy wrote in a uh, probable cause affidavit, Karanda, who faces a charge of possession of a controlled substance, declined to comment. Karanda's mother told Sheriff Mark Meggs that her son Michael had baked a pan of brownies and she took them to the community center card game. Karanda's mother handed over the rest of the brownies, the affidavit said. The deputy who wrote, who wrote the affidavit said he spoke to two people who ate the brownies at the senior center. They said they learned that Corona had been in Colorado where recreational marijuana is legal for people 21 and older over the weekend and returned with marijuana products. Michael admitted to bringing one pound of THC butter to make the pan of brownies and then went to bed. And his mother unknowingly took the brownies to the card game where several people ate them. Michael said the remaining half pound of butter was still at his house. Yeah, I hope you, I, I was going to say a pound in brownies. Like, that's a lot, isn't it? Karanda turned the remaining THC butter over to investigators. Court records show that Karanda was released on $3,000 bond. Starbucks drive through record. Here's the headline. Starbucks drive through customer breaks 23 car pay at forward streak. Quote, they tried to set me up. A Starbucks drive through customer has gone viral for ending a 23 car pay at forward streak. When he learned the customer behind him had an order total of $46. Well, that's probably like four drinks at Starbucks though, right? In a TikTok video, anonymous user I'm blessed 55 documented his experience, which showed he ordered a venti frappuccino at Starbucks. They were doing the pay for the person behind you thing. I pulled up and ended a 23 car streak. He wrote in the 14 second text to speech video. They tried to set me up. The person behind 
me, their bill was $46, mine was 6 He went on to caption the video, how y'all feel about this? Am I wrong? What would have you done? The video has since been viewed more than 1.6 million times and received more than 2,400 comments. Many commenters agreed that he made the right call to not pay $46. Somebody wrote, I'm not paying for anybody. Starbucks is a treat from me to me. Somebody said, I remember someone in front paid for my drink and I turned around and saw a car filled with like five teenage girls and was like, nah, and ended it. This happened to me once and I got frustrated and just said, thank you and drove off. TikTok users who are in favor of the pay it forward trend offered alternative suggestions like paying for a portion of another customer's order or tipping baristas with the total value of your drink. Several commenters who claim to be current or former drive through employees shared that paid forward lines make the checkout process more complicated. Well, this was only like 20, 23 car streak. Remember the one here in Minnesota, over 900 customers for a pay it forward at the at the drive through we we talked about this story was it uh, late last year or uh was it on the old show like if you're breaking that streak then now i kind of feel bad about that if it's like 900 but breaking it for for 23 cars who cares i'm not i'm not paying 46 i'm not paying a 46 dollar bill for some sugary crap at starbucks i'm not doing it James Carville, Democratic strategist, cursed out unvaccinated individuals on his podcast last week, saying anyone without a vaccine was a, quote, piece of shit, and he wanted to punch them in the face. Hostile. Oof. On Thursday's politics war room with James Carville and Al Hunt, Carville and Hunt took a listener question wondering why President Biden would not pass a bill that bars unvaccinated citizens from interstate travel. He says, I wouldn't be against that at all. I'd be, I'd be for it, actually, as long as you put or testing, as long as you're testing before you get on a plane or bus or interstate train, you want to be vaccinated or tested. I don't think the Supreme Court would allow him to do that. I don't either. Carville replied, I don't think he should expand much capital trying to get something done that's going to get knocked down. So then Carville said, I wish what they do is pass a law to make you immune from liability if you punch some unvaccinated person right in the face, which I'd really like to do. If you ask me what's my first reaction to you if you're not vaccinated, you don't have any medical reason not to be. You're a piece of shit, okay? I just want to punch you in the GD face. That's why I looked at these people. Well, I I don't get why people don't want to get vaccinated myself. I mean... I don't really care enough about you. If if you don't want to get vaccinated, I don't care. But stop talking about it. See, some of these rules that, that have come out, they don't make any sense. And, and one of them is uh, in New York, for example. Kyrie Irving can't play home games in Brooklyn because he's not vaccinated. But the vaccine mandate in New York doesn't pertain to away team players. So let's just say hypothetically, I played for the Wolves. And if I wasn't vaccinated, if I go play the Brooklyn Nets or the New York Knicks and I'm not vaccinated, I can still play. 
but Kyrie Irving, as a member of the home team, can't. Tell me how that makes any sense. I'll wait. More and more on Spotlight next. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. You're listening to the Trevor J. Brown Show from Inherit Dream Production Company. Jensen Sales Plus makes buying and selling online easy. From Craigslist to Amazon, eBay to Etsy, they do it all. Check out their website for more information, jensensalesplus.com. That's jensensalesplus.com, JSP, located in Princeton and a proud supporter of the Trevor J. Brown Show. I know COVID is still a thing. I'm not making light of it at all. I know people are sick. I know people have died from it. A lot of people have died from it. But I'm not going to keep going down this road of these arguments of, well, are you vaccinated or are you not vaccinated? You know what? If you don't want to get vaccinated, I've said it from the very first show that we ever did for the Trevor J. Brown show. Go back and listen to it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, fine. But then you know what? Take your liberty and your freedom and all of that and be sick at home. It, don't go to the doctor then. Don't, don't clog up an emergency room bed. Don't go to the, don't be put in the ICU. Well, now you're judging, aren't you? No. If you trust medicine then, once you're sick, why don't you trust modern medicine to prevent the vaccine? I saw one of the dumbest things this past week about all these different vaccines and about how, well, once you get the vaccine, these these viruses don't spread. The moron listed the flu. You know how many times I've gotten the flu after taking the vaccine? You can still spread somebody the flu after you get the vaccine. Oh my goodness. Again, we it's glue sniffing 101. We're arguing with these people that sat in the back of the class in high school and they're the reasons why we got three weeks to write a book report. And they were the average students. They were below average students. And you know what? It reminds me of the Dennis Reynolds line from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You peaked. You all peaked back when you were 17 or 18 and you thought you were hot shit. You thought you were so damn clever. Drinking and doing your drugs and partying and not paying attention. And all of that caught up with you. And now you can pretend you have a good life. You know, you can think you can think all you want about how you have it together. But here's the thing, you peaked. It's as simple as that, you peaked. Comedian Aquafina has quit Twitter after addressing criticism she's faced for using AAVE throughout her career, which stands for African American Vernacular English. I guess that's a thing. The actress has faced backlash on social media for appropriating black culture and using a black scent during her early rap career and for her role in Crazy Rich Asians. It's a movie. Do people not understand it's not a real thing? It's a movie? She was asked about the negative feedback in a September interview with Reuters and replied she was open to the conversation at the time. On Saturday, she opened the conversation herself with a message on Twitter acknowledging how black culture has been stolen and exploited throughout history and added that as an immigrant, she 
carved much of her identity for her environment and uh, and hip hop. She said in life, linguistic, uh, I, I'm, I will always listen and work tirelessly to understand the history in context. E. Patrick Johnson, Dean of Northwestern School of Communication, told USA Today in June, appropriation is inevitable and it's disheartening, disheartening when culture is... I don't know. The article cuts off. Without any acknowledgement of consequences. Uh, the 33-year-old's message wasn't well received on Twitter despite her statement stating it was never her nature to mock or belittle others. So here's the question that I have, and maybe this is just coming from ignorant white man in uh, central Minnesota. Isn't it kind of racist to say that a certain culture all talk a certain way? Or am I missing something here? Because... That's that's kind of assuming things, isn't it? That, well, every black person talks this way because of hip-hop and rap, or every Asian talks this way, or every white person talks this way. Remember the Chappelle, uh, when he dressed up as, as the white news guy? And he talked he talk like this, and, uh, I'm, you know, that was funny because <laughs> he was diving into a stereotype, I know. But not every white person talks that way. Not every white person has a uh, a pole shoved up his butt and is stiff. Uh, it was It's funny. But to say that, well, she was, she was mocking things? First off, her role in Crazy Rich Asians, that's a role for a movie. It's fake. Do people not understand that? Do they not grasp that? Uh, no one is for- forcing you to watch Crazy Rich Asians. You can watch it if you want, but she's playing a character. So in this movie, the character spoke that way. Why does the actress need to def- need to defend that? Do you think that if you watch Schindler's List, that Ray Fiennes actually killed people, the actor, and that he should apologize for that? That he was the commandant of a concentration camp? Do you feel like, are, are, we, are we that dumb as a society now? But that's that's my honest question, because not every white person talks the same way. Not every black person talks the same way or every every ethnicity doesn't. They're not all uniform. We're all different people. There's white people that might grow up in Minneapolis and they talk a certain way or there's minorities that live in central Minnesota. They might talk a certain way or you might be from a certain region of the country or a certain region of the world. We all have different accents. We're not all the same. I think it's kind of kind of lame to, to paint ethnicities in a very broad brush and say, well, we all talk this way and you're, you're sort of hijacking our culture. Well, that's kind of racist, isn't it? Free for All Friday, Mark Stone. Next, this is the Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show. Did you know Inherent Dream Production Company is more than just the Trevor J. Brown Show? Inherent Dream is home to Musical Acts Chairman of the Board, TNV, Trevor J. Brown, and the Food and Song Compilation Series. 
Albums are available now at inheritdream.bandcamp.com or stream anywhere you get your music. Well, I'm a little emotional tonight because it's our final free-for-all Friday for a while. Of course, we have this guy a ton during the NFL season. It wouldn't be the show without him during the NFL season. He provides so much great content to us. Mark Stone with us one final time to talk NFL for this season at least. Stone, thanks so much for all the great stuff this season. It's been so much fun. Trevor, it's always a joy coming on this show. And, of course, I'm in a very, very good mood. I'm somewhere on the side of the road on I-94, east of Hudson, Wisconsin, and I'm bringing you all the great content, just like last week when I brought you. I predicted how the end of the Super Bowl was going to go to a T, other than the fact that the score wasn't tied. I also hit on all the prop bets I told you to go to the bank on. The only thing that missed, of course, was the carved in stone bet of the week because Johnny Hecker doesn't know how to hold a football <laughs> on an extra point. Yeah, what did uh, what did you make of the game overall? Of course, if anybody was uh, under a rock the last week, Rams beat the Bengals twenty three to twenty. But overall, your thoughts on uh, on the Super Bowl? It went about how I thought it was going to go. The Bengals' offensive line was way too much of a liability, which I kind of said. And you know me from coaching football. You win, you win games in the trenches. And I just really felt like the Rams' defensive line, especially as that game went on and the Bengals' offensive line got tired, they were going to have their way with it. And you saw what happened in the second half. Cincinnati could not move that ball. I don't know what Zach Taylor was doing getting away from Joe Mixon and yeah. putting in some AJP, Ryan. I have, I have no clue what was the reasoning behind that. And honestly, everybody can sit here and talk about the ticky-tack holding call on Logan Wilson. But again, Bengals fans, they never called the face mask that T. Higgins put on Jalen Ramsey on that 75-yard touchdown. That play gets nullified. I think this game is more of a blowout than what you had there. What are you doing in Wisconsin, by the way? Are you there for business or pleasure? Well, it was definitely business today, and we rocked it, you know, up in Appleton, Wisconsin, just locked it down. It was great, you know, just like hitting my bets. We were making that money, baby, and the <laughs> tens and tens of the Mark Stone fans are all enjoying their winnings this week because they went to the bookies and they laid it down big, baby. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the officiating, for the most part, I liked how they called the game probably like 95% of it. I don't know how you missed the face mask call uh, that they that they missed on Ramsey, and then they kind of went flag happy there at the end. But for the most part, I thought it was a pretty clean game. I liked how they called it. There wasn't a ton of penalties. And I think at the end of the day, that's what the Super Bowl should be. I mean, it should be these two best teams playing, and it shouldn't be decided by the officials. I thought for the most part, they did a pretty solid job. Yeah, you know, it, it, you don't want games being decided by the refs, even though everybody's kind of trying to make that sound. But even if you don't call the Logan Wilson play that flag, that's still only third down. There's still fourth down and goal for the Rams at that point from the six or eight yard line where they were. Who's to say they still don't punch it in? I mean, Cooper Cup was virtually unstoppable there in that fourth quarter. 
um, enough to earn him the MVP. Now, whether or not he's the MVP in my book, I don't really think I could have given him it. Aaron Donald was a force to be reckoned with and unstoppable in the game, which I thought was exactly what was going to happen. The Rams were going to score with under two minutes left to go and take the lead in this game, and the Bengals would get the ball back and wouldn't be able to do anything. And with a minute and 20 and two timeouts, all you got to do is get in the field goal range Regardless if you want to talk about that holding penalty costing him this game or not, you still couldn't do it. And that's, I think, the big thing. That's that's the difference between the two teams. Well, and you look at Donald, I didn't think he had a very good first half. I felt like he applied way more pressure in the second half. And I think that's just a testament to how good of a player he is and how much the game plan sort of changed in the second half for them. I, I felt like the, the offensive line for Cincinnati really, really uh, sort of, crumbled especially in the second half but you hit it on the head that offensive line was the biggest question mark going into the game and it's uh it's one of the reasons why Donald had uh, the second half he did well hats off also to defense coordinator Raheem Morris for what he did in the second half he dialed up blitz in that extra linebacker every single time and when you add a linebacker to already where you got Von Miller and Leonard Floyd coming from the outside and Aaron Donald taking on two guys, it makes it an automatic mismatch for a line that's already depleted and couldn't even open up a hole for their running backs to gain to gain some rushing on the ground. So, again, I got to give my hat off to him and for making that play call and going all in. And Burrow didn't have enough time to throw. And it was obvious from the start of the game, they knew they weren't going to have time to throw. They tried to attack that middle, which is exactly what I said that they were going to do and they did get you know they did get some yardage off then they were able to break off the one big play to t higgins but you could tell in the second half everything was depleted burrow was running for his life out there and and just getting destroyed especially too i mean he gets rolled up there in mid fourth quarter with that high ankle spray that would have been a regular season game he would have been out mm-hmm. mark stone our guest i i want to tell you i I opened the show here tonight basically admitting I was wrong, um, and you'll be proud of me for that. But I want to tell you, too, that the the stat that I had for you last week about quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl and the national championship, if Burrow would have won, he would have been part of this club of three, but it still remains two. I was right on the one name. It's Joe Namath, obviously. But the other, I thought it was Joe Theismann. It wasn't Joe Theismann. It was Joe Montana. Joe Montana. Yeah. Yep. And then the other thing that I clarified for everybody was we talked about guys that won the Heisman, the the uh, Super Bowl, and the National Championship. And there's three of those guys. None are quarterbacks. It was Dorsett, Marcus Allen, and Charles Woodson for that. But Joe would have been the first quarterback if he would have done that. So Kind of some interesting stuff, but I was uh, I was mistaken on the Joes. I do feel though I I love I love Burrow's swagger. I feel it's a swagger, not a confidence, uh, not a not a cockiness. He has this confidence that just oozes about him, which I love. I feel that's infectious on his teammates, and I'm not I'm not making any guarantees that he's going to be back next year to the Super Bowl because we see with guys like Aaron Rodgers how difficult that can be to get back to the Super Bowl. But I do feel as if Joe Burrow has another Super Bowl appearance at some point down the line in his career because he's just too damn good at this point. Yeah, you kind of hope so. I mean, my oldest son's a huge Bengals fan. 
I definitely know he enjoyed the ride. And this team isn't as like I like I kind of commented when we started the playoff previews. I felt Cincinnati was about two years ahead of where they were supposed to be. So hats off again to Zach Taylor and his staff for getting them where they were. And Joe Burrow, again, just showing how valuable a great quarterback can be. His big issue is going to be moving forward. Of course, Cincinnati's got to invest in an offensive line that can protect him. We don't want to be seeing him at the age of 30 retiring like Andrew Luck after Ryan Grigson just totally fumbled that ball in Indianapolis and never invested in the line to protect him and had him get killed the whole time he was there. But number two, the biggest issue for Burrow is going to be able to get through that gaggle of quarterbacks in the yeah. AFC, when you're talking the Josh Allen's, the Patrick Mahomes, the uh, the uh, Justin Herberts of the world that are over there already, you add Burrow to that mix, and if Rodgers somehow ends up in Denver or Russell Wilson ends up in somewhere like Pittsburgh, oh, it's going to be a car wreck over there trying to get out of the AFC into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, some people were asking me uh, over the weekend with the Super Bowl, like, well, how do you how do you feel about Mac Jones? How do you feel about the Patriots? And I, I thought this was a good year. It was a productive year. I like Mac Jones. He, but I, I always tell people he's not Tom Brady, and I, I nobody should be expecting that this guy's going to go and win you four, five, six Super Bowls. I think there could be a Super Bowl appearance in Mac Jones's future, but this this dynasty that we've seen for New England that'll probably never happen again for some time. But you hit it on the head with the AFC. You have uh, Joe Burrow, you have Lamar Jackson, you have Josh Allen, you have Patrick Mahomes, you have Justin Herbert. I know the team sucks right now, but I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have something to say about that come his sophomore year uh, in uh, in Jacksonville. So you have all these guys. That's going to be a bloodbath to try to even get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. And I didn't even mention Mac Jones yet, and I think Mac Jones is a good quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Matt Jones could definitely be a good quarterback in the future. But again, I don't think he has the talent of all the guys you mentioned. Trevor Lawrence may get in that. And let's also, folks, not forget about our friend in Cleveland, Mr. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good old, good old Baker. He's doing uh, more progressive ads than uh, than winning games. So well, if you had a vote, Stone, I mean, would you have voted for Rodgers for MVP or would you have voted uh, – a different uh, different name. I'll tell you this. This is where I have a problem with all these end of season awards. Let's let's stop doing these votes at the end of the regular season because if you would have had the playoffs here, you would have known without a shadow of a doubt that Joe Burrow was the most valuable player to his team in the league this year. Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, beginning of the season, who actually had Cincinnati? finishing above fourth in that division yeah nobody i mean you could have them finishing third i could have seen them probably finishing ahead of pittsburgh but nobody had them ahead of cleveland and baltimore by the way who both finished third and fourth yeah division by the way but i mean when the season started you didn't think cincinnati was gonna be that good and here joe burrow joe burrow arguably with the weapons he got and no offensive line Gets them not only to the playoffs, but to the Super Bowl. If that voting happens around the same time the Pro Bowl does, Joe Burrow walks away with that award without a problem. Plus, also, too, the way Aaron Rodgers continues to choke in the playoffs, just like he did 
at his home in Lambeau against my mighty 49ers. Well, and choke on his engagement as well. I mean, he said goodbye to Cheyenne Woodley now and uh, mark him in for another MVP for next year. Ditches the chick. He's going to have another breakout year next year. Watch. It's true. It's true. I just don't know if it's going to be in Green Bay or will it be in Denver or will it be in Pittsburgh? Or maybe maybe he'll be having MVP season hosting Jeopardy. Or maybe Tampa Bay. Who knows? I mean, here here's the thing. If Tampa if, if there's if there's no new blood in that division for a quarterback, we we joked about it last week. But what division will be worse, the NFC East or the uh, NFC South? Because the quarterbacks that are in the South with no Brady there, uh, the best quarterback next year is going to be Matt Ryan, and the dude's going to be walking out there with a walker. <laughs> it's true, but I loved what you just said. If, if Aaron Rodgers actually gets traded to Tampa Bay, oh, hard knocks can't sign up fast <laughs> enough for a for a preseason and regular season, full regular season footage of Aaron Rodgers versus Bruce Arians. <laughs> Ring the bell right now. It would be must-see TV. But they also have to bring back Antonio Brown, please, so he can have <laughs> We can have that too. And then somehow get Urban Meyer in there. You know, maybe Urban could <laughs> could come in as a special assistant or something. Uh but well, uh Urban's always Urban's always good to show us around Columbus <laughs> and go in to get some grab ass while we're there too. Uh, you know, it's 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 too bad that this past year uh, Hard Knocks wasn't in Jacksonville for those eight weeks or however long it was. Can you imagine how entertaining that would have been? Well, it would have showed us definitely Urban deserved the kicker of the year award. <laughs> what about coach of the year? You like variable for coach of the year? It's tough to argue against that. They were without their best player for uh, for half the year, and they still ended up uh, the number one seed. Though they choked, but uh, they were still, you know, uh, had a good year. I didn't even have Tennessee in our preseason picks making the playoffs. So I think I think it was definitely well-deserved. Again, they choked in the playoffs like they usually do. But to get the number one seed, I don't think anybody had Tennessee on their preseason picks as being in, to, in that spot. Did, uh, did you survive with all the teenage boys there? Did you have enough food at your party? Yeah, we had enough food. Good. It was just it was it was very, very rambunctious. So, but no, there was plenty of food. Plus, they each brought food too. So there was there was more than enough food to go around. Thank God, because I did think I did think I was going to be cleaned out of house and home. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Well, I'm going to let you go because the uh, I'm I'm kind of losing you here on the cell. But I appreciate you for this uh, all the great content this past season. Like I said, as we came into tonight, it wouldn't be uh, the show and uh, the great content without you. Great stuff as always, and I'm sure we'll catch up with you here in the spring to talk a little NBA, and hopefully uh, we'll have a Major League Baseball season as well. Have a Major League Baseball season, and looking forward to March Madness. You always know that's a favorite time of the year for Mark Stone. Again, always a pleasure, Trevor. Mark Stone here, free-for-all Friday. Free-for-all! Free-for-all Friday! Here on the Trevor J. Brown Show. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been the Trevor J. Brown Show. The opinions expressed on this show do not express the views of staff, management, or sponsors of Inherent Dream Production Company or streaming services where the show may be heard. 
The Trevor J. Brown Show is produced by Inherent Dream Production Company.